0: 1 John chapter 1, verses 1-10. to ten. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at, and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared, we have seen it, and testify to it, and we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard, so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you, God is light. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word has no place in our lives. As Chad mentioned, we want to talk about fellowship this morning.
1: It's one of those words that Kind of interesting because we don't use it a lot in our normal, everyday lives. People in unions may use the word fellowship. In fact, some unions, their official uh, name may be the fellowship of railway workers or whatever. But biblically, it's an important word. We're going to talk about that uh, more in just a minute. But what I want to do to kind of lay the foundation for what we're talking about is to think about John the Apostle who wrote uh, this letter, First John. What's interesting is that after the Apostle Paul, John wrote more of the new, more books in the New Testament than anyone else. He wrote a Gospel, he wrote three letters, and he wrote the Book of Revelation. So, what we understand historically is that he is likely the only one of the apostles to die a natural death of old age. That he was a man who was quite transformed in his life. He and his brother James were the kind of personalities that Jesus called them sons of thunder. And that kind of says a lot about, to be called, maybe the kind of temper they might have had. And yet, John becomes known as the apostle of love. He becomes very fatherly in his dealing with and his approach to to encouraging Christians as he gets later in his life. Now, this reading, this book, 1 John, begins with a familiar term. And it brings back to memory two other passages. first one is found in Genesis 1, verse 1, the very first verse of the Bible. In the beginning, God created the heavens and earth. When John begins his gospel in John 1, 1, which you do have on your your sheet, he begins, in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God, and the word was God. So as he begins 1 John, it's not surprising, is it, that he begins with the word beginning again. That which was from the beginning. John is, if you think about it, 1 John is one of the last books of the New Testament, So John is, in one statement, pulling together the whole Bible. Genesis 1, the Gospel of John, and 1 John 1. To take us back to the very, very beginning. What's he doing? Well, he uses the expression, that, which was from the beginning. And that's kind of interesting, because as you read, you realize that a a pronoun like that uh, is not personal. In fact, it doesn't seem to be referring to a person, even though as we read, we realize that it does. But I think what he's trying to do is to convey the idea of something that is so important that we really need to pay very careful attention to it. And so that which was from the beginning, and Notice what he does here. He talks about the apostles' history with the that (laughs) that he's talking about. And so he says, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at, and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. Now, just to point out here, remember John 1.1, in the beginning was the word. So he's probably connecting back to that word of John, the gospel, which is obviously Jesus. But notice the connection that John has here and speaks of with Jesus, with the word. I like thinking about this passage, and I I use this idea many times, because I think it is so amazing to think that as we read this, we are hearing the words of somebody who heard, saw, looked at, and touched Jesus. Suddenly, the 2,000 years that have passed approximately from the time that Jesus walked on this earth disappear to allow us and enable us to have an encounter with Jesus Christ through the Apostle John. One of the things about Teaching that you learn is that sometimes to really get a point across you have to repeat yourself parents what would happen to your children if you never repeated yourself instead we hear parents saying that's the millionth time I've told you not to do that right Well, John is not an exception to that. And so, having just said this in the first verse, he comes to verse 2. The life appeared. See, the word of life, and again, as we think about back to... The Gospel of John, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. The Word became flesh, dwelt among us, full of grace and truth. And then about verse 14 says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. So that life that he's talking about in verse 1 appeared. And, sound familiar? We have seen it. We testify to it. We proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and has appeared to us. Okay, John, they didn't get it. Let's do it one more time. Next verse. We proclaim to you. He's repeating himself three times to get the point across of the experience of the relationship, the personal connection that they have had with Christ, what we have seen and heard. Why is this so important? Why would John? You know, this is a very short letter, really, as you, if you think about it, and yet in these first three verses, John repeats the same idea: verse one, verse two. Verse 3, why is this so important? Because he wants them to see, he wants the readers, the Christians he's writing to in the first century, the Christians who have read this down through the century, us, as we are reading it today, he wants us to understand what is the point of having had this experience with Jesus. So that you may have fellowship with us. And he's going to explain in a minute why that's so important. But we want to think for a minute here about the word fellowship. Now, if you look at the dictionary, it's going to come up with words like companionship, company. You know, and we often think of it, you know, like with, like I mentioned, with the union or uh, with other organizations, we see that term fellowship being used. But yet, don't you sense that as, as John is speaking here, he has another idea, a fuller, richer concept than simply companionship. Yes, the apostles were companions of Jesus. Yes, they went around with Him. Yes, they heard Him. It's an important concept that, as John is speaking here, he uses the word fellowship four times in these ten verses. How important does that suggest that it is? The Greek word for fellowship is the word koinonia. And that means a whole lot to you, doesn't it? Right? Okay. Okay. The the root word of that, it comes from the word koine, which means common. Just as a little freebie here, the New Testament is written in what's called koine Greek. And if you were to look back to the Greek that was used in the ancient world, you discover that there was what we call classical Greek and there was common or koine Greek. Koine Greek was the language of people. It was the everyday. It was the common language, that the common Greek that people spoke. And so the word koinonia, it means to have or share in common. It's a connection that joins and brings people together. It's more than simply companionship as our use of the English term might suggest. I'm going to suggest that you think of fellowship as a close, personal connection. And so John goes on to talk about, I am writing these things so that you may have fellowship with us. Why? Because our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. He's not just saying we had lunch with Jesus. He's saying that we have a relationship with Jesus that is more vital and more important and more life-encompassing than any other relationship we have. It's not just a social relationship. It's not just sitting down for a meal together. Let me let me put it this way. It's that in a good fellowship relationship, people will enjoy one another's company. They will develop friendship and they will eat and sit down for that coffee together. But that is not what makes fellowship. That's what shows Fellowship has been established. Fellowship, if you really look at these ten verses, you realize that fellowship is characterized by a common walk or life together. And it shows in a few things that John mentions. For example, eternal life. See, that's why he's writing this, is that he wants to share with his reader that this is what Our fellowship is about we have eternal life from the Father. It's about light. It's about the righteousness. It's it's about the character of God. Think about it, that in fellowship with God, we share his very nature. And so John writes that if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus his son cleanses us from all sin and so we share forgiveness we share the blood of Christ you know and so you think about that is if we share eternal life if we share light and truth and if we share forgiveness and salvation of the blood of Christ that the most important things in the world or what we share is what we have in common. Say, so think about it. You know, and I, I think back to many years ago when I was working in the store. And I spent a lot of time with those people. <laughs> and we worked together. We laughed together. We even ate together. But I can tell you right now, I did not have a whole lot of fellowship with those people. Because the things that were most important to my life, they didn't share. They didn't have a relationship with God. They swore. Language in the store was atrocious. They committed adultery. My manager would come in Monday morning drunk after the weekend and then say, I've got a headache, I've got to go home. I don't have anything in common with that, do you? Hopefully not. See, to have in common, to have fellowship, we have a relationship with God. God. And then that extends to having a relationship with one another. So fellowship with God. God has given us the opportunity and ability to have a personal relationship with him. I think that's why John takes us back to the beginning. To realize that the creator of the universe has opened a door to enable us to approach him and have a relationship with him and to have the spiritual life of a Christian in common with him. We come to share his character. It was like Jesus talked about a disciple when he's fully taught would be just like his master, his teacher. As Christians, we are growing into the likeness of Christ. Paul expressed that idea of of Christ in you, the hope of Christ, that that this is what fellowship does for us. This is what what we're doing with it. This is why it's important. And so John says we have this fellowship with God. We want to share it with you. And this is based on the forgiveness of. That we have in Christ, and so John says, "I'm writing these things so that our joy may be complete." You know, Paul in Philippians we call it the the letter or the epistle of joy because he's talking about just how wonderful our life is. That's ironic because he's writing from prison. He doesn't know what his future is going to be. He doesn't even know if he's going to be dead the next day. And yet he can say, rejoice, be joyful. Why? Because you have fellowship with God. And you have fellowship with other Christians. And so fellowship with God is based on walking in the light, being in Christ. Now, I want to make a very important point here. Because once we start talking about walking in the light, you know, and and that's if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus His Son cleanses us from every sin. And people hear that and they go, But I'm not perfect. You didn't hear that. Walking in the light doesn't mean being perfect. How do I know? Because the second part of that statement, that the blood of Jesus' Son cleanses us from every sin. If we say, he goes on, that we have no sin, we lie, don't practice the truth. If we confess our sins, he's faithful to forgive us. So walking in the light doesn't mean that we are absolutely perfect. Otherwise, we are all in trouble, right? That the nature of fellowship with God and Christ means forgiveness. Being forgiven. That's the wonderful, amazing thing about it. And so walking in the light and following his truth. So, leaving sin, you know, in other words that there's a difference between intentionally continuing to sin. Right of Hebrews says that if we sin deliberately after receiving a knowledge of the truth, there remains no more sacrifice for sin. We're trampling on Jesus. But John says here, that if we confess our sins, see, now that so what we're trying to, to do is to realize that when we sin, when we do wrong, when we mess up, we confess our sin. As we repent, we turn away from what we've been doing. And God's faithfulness forgives us. The ability to overcome sin does not rest in our ability to be perfect, but in God's ability to forgive and of the power of the cross. And so, as a result of that, then we have fellowship with God, therefore, we have fellowship with one another. You know, sometimes people think, well, I'm going to have fellowship with God because I'm going to hang around with religious people. Uh uh-uh. uh. We don't get our relationship with God or our forgiveness because we hang around with Christians. That's the old expression you know where I'm going. That sitting in a hen house doesn't make you a chicken. Sitting in a church building doesn't make you a Christian. But what makes you a Christian is you have a relationship with God through Christ. And therefore, by definition, you have, we have fellowship with one another as Christians. If we're connected with the Father, we're part of his family. Therefore, we're brothers and sisters. That's how it works. And that's what's important to John. The beauty of fellowship is that it is a transcendent, overarching, overwhelming relationship with our Creator. He created us for fellowship with him. He wants us to know him. Paul uses the picture at one point, in, I think in Ephesians. He says, like obedient children be imitators of God. And, you know, you watch little children as they imitate the important adults in their life. We become like God. We value him. And so John's point in this letter is not just to talk about how we Are in terms of our fellowship with God and our fellowship with one another. But John's going to spend a lot of time ahead talking about what that means in our relationship with one another. Love one another. Bear with one another. Forgive one another. That the idea of fellowship... is this is, the church is our eternal family. We're going to spend eternity together. Isn't that incredible? And so John says, I'm writing this so that you may have fellowship with us. Our fellowships with the Father. And so if you're going to have fellowship with us, you need to have fellowship with the Father too. I asked Chad to close us with, uh, or I didn't ask him, but I figured with the title he would uh, pick the song, and he did. Uh, What a fellowship. Look look at the words of this. One of the things we talk about is sometimes we sing songs so many times that we really don't pay attention to the words. But think about it. What a fellowship. What a joy is mine, leaning on the everlasting arms. And we hope that if you're here, you're not yet a Christian, that you will really think about that. And if we can help you with that, you can talk with me or Chad or Jay or one of the elders later. Let's stand as we sing.